I have a question for British gamers. What what is the question? Do British gamers do crappy American accents for their D&D characters? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Jaunty Mantis. This is a podcast full of creative questions for curious gamers. I'm vaping. I'm one of your hosts, Maddie. I'm Jesse, and I'm vaping. <laughs> and for those of you who are just listening to the audio portion, Jesse's been vaping because I didn't give him enough time to recover. Jesse, what is our what is our creative question for this evening? Probably the least controversial topic in gaming, um, oh. alignment. Alignment. Well, I thought alignment was very controversial in gaming. Oh, were you being facetious? I, I was, yes. I was saying it with a sort of wand attached irony. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Why is this such a conflicting question in our culture? I think that's a really, really good question because I don't know that it needs to be, but I think there's probably a couple of different camps who see the purpose of alignment. Um, like, so I think to throw it back to you, mm -hmm. uh, starting with as a player in a game that has alignment, mm -hmm. what do you want the alignment system to do for you as a, someone running a player character? As someone running a player character, what I want out of an alignment system is a set of very distinct guidelines and then three examples per category to help me figure out what my character's alignment is. Does that help? Well, you know your character's story and motivation, right? So why do you need an alignment to tell you that? I mean, what, what's the value add? Then? The value add of an alignment is that I think, I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, obviously, but for me, I don't actually have most characters settled when I start playing them. I have my ideas i have um i got the backstory i got my ideas i got my expectations and what i want them to do but um very quickly i will start throwing things out and adding things and i think that uh alignment in particular can be a great um kind of cornerstone or or um anchor to what you want to do with that character like this is the basic fundamental worldview or 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 characterization of how they're going to interact with the world if that makes any sense right yeah i i think for me as a player it's the it's the same thing i mean i oftentimes forget that i what my alignment is mm -hmm. um and uh i uh then i i will be when i'm getting ready for a game i'll look at my alignment what i wrote down on the character sheet and be like oh shit i've been doing this wrong mm -hmm. um but like having that sort of to me as a player i want it as a sort of general shorthand moral framework that'll help me respond in kind to situations where i don't just want to do what jesse would do mm -hmm. you know having that sort of moral arc right. um like and I, I actually, I really like the newest editions of D&D. &D, I really like what they did with some of the neutral alignments. Like um, what? Because I think that makes it like, my character doesn't really care about good or evil. They just care about like what their goal is. So then you got to have that goal, you know? So what we're saying is the neutral alignments have been fleshed out better in the more recent editions of Dungeons and Dragons. So it, I think I feel like it makes more sense as a thing real people would do. But uh well that's a thing I think we'll get into later when we dive dive deeper. So other hand, what do you want alignment to do as someone running a game? As someone running a game, I want alignment to be a structure that the person can fall back on 
as there's like there's that weird moment where you can tell someone is sliding into the murder hobo mode and i want that alignment to be that like uh hand gripping them by the collar dragging them back to their character you know um and i don't want this moment to happen but i want to be able to have it in my back pocket to be like are you sure that's what your character would do you know it says here you're this or you describe to me this and i think alignment only works if there's a full buy-in around the table um and that i appreciate the more recent versions of alignment because in the past it's been tied to specifically to mechanics you know there's there's the detect evil and smite evil and all of that protection stuff. from and right right so i think i think as we're as long as we're using it as a character building exercise i think alignment um is that like it, it is that ability to be like okay well are you sure that's what you want to do i think I think this also speaks to a much larger problem, which I think a lot of DMs are very hesitant to to ask their players, are you sure you want to do that, right? If there's a room in that dungeon that has a door, they shouldn't be able to get past, but they do. And it has like a, a massive troll or ogre in that room. And the group, you know, the group is too low level to take that on. And they weren't supposed to be able to get in there, but they did for whatever reason. Or maybe it's a much more tamer fight, but their resources are spent. I don't think there's anything wrong with the DM saying, are you sure you want to do this? You know, just to give the players that little bit of like pause to reflect on whether or not this is a good idea or not. I think there's a tendency as a DM to kind of step back and be like, well, this is your game. If you want to kill yourselves in that next room because you overspent your resources in the last couple of rooms. Uh, who am I to stop you? And I feel like alignment can help us do that. Alignment can help us be like, well, you know, you described your character as being this. And I'm, I would like to know if how, how your actions fit into that, that equation or that decision. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I'd, I'd say similarly, I'd want that to be, the thing that they set for themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I never, never really want to be as a GM, the the hand that yanks them back. But um, I also, I don't know for, for like player agency, like I feel like, so this is, I've been obsessed with the OSR lately mm-hmm. and a lot of it's out of nostalgia, but like obsessed with the idea of things I've seen in play experiences where a fight uh, or a situation should kill the PCs. And because of the pressure, they come up with an interesting way to challenge it that gets resolved through a ruling rather than a rule. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that so much. We did uh we did uh Merkberg for mm-hmm. like a, a one-shot session when someone couldn't make it. And in the starter adventure in the Morkborg game, there is this massive demon worm thing that has a crazy amount of hit points. Uh for first level characters, it's like only 50 or something, but like, it's, I mean, it's a really high amount for the people that are fighting it and the damage it does is crazy. And through creative sacrificing of the whatever defunct or destitute philosopher, he had rolled on his starting equipment, five monkeys that love him, but don't respect him mm-hmm. um, or listen to him. Those monkeys sacrifice themselves to take to soak up the attacks and they manage to defeat it. And by the book, by the challenge, that should never have happened. Now, this is not about alignment, but I like I like the risk for the mm-hmm. players. Um, because to me, that's where the freedom of it is. But uh picking that alignment as you know, if I if someone picked chaotic good, to me that tells them the kind of moral struggle they want to have. Hmm. Well, all right. Let's cover the alignments then for listeners, because not everybody understands. We've got lawful good, cha- neutral good, chaotic good. Uh. Uh. What lawful neutral? Okay. There's neutral. a three tier axis on good and chaotic evil. neutral, and yeah. then lawful e- evil, neutral evil, and chaotic evil. Right. Right. Okay. So then how do we describe alignment in this context right like like you just said um how do we 
how how do how do you decide what lawful good is when you have a description in a book but then you have a group full of people who you know down in your heart they're not playing lawful good like what do you do in that scenario like how do you make a char- how do you make somebody follow an alignment or how do you make sure they follow an alignment or how do you offer them options or off roads from their alignment I mean, I think that's the the tricky thing is like as a DM, we said that's what we want alignment to do, but I don't think it does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's what we would like it to do. I don't know that you can. Mm-hmm. What if you gave? I, I think of things like in a powered by the apocalypse um, kind of scenario because that's my favorite gaming. Yeah, but system. that has no alignment system, right? But uh, what I'm thinking of is how you have options as to how you want to handle it. In our episode zero, I asked you a question about how do you do a um, spelljammer vessel doing a barrel roll in Powered by the Apocalypse. And you said you would establish consequences, use the writer's room to come up with those are, and then decide on defy danger as an option, right? Yeah. In Powered by the Apocalypse games, you have different avenues to decide what kind of roles you're going to make, correct? Yeah. So what if we used a system like that where if you had an alignment, then you could, as a GM, offer an alignment option in addition to whatever else you're offering in a scenario, right? So if your scenario is that, let's say there's a group of stereotypical, generically evil orcs, um, there's a town that's being threatened, the town... Uh, has hired you to go deal with them and you go into that situation, obviously your first thought is to draw swords and attack, right? That's the typical D&D route. It's a combat first game. But what if you were to offer, purposely offer alignment-based options to the characters based on whatever their alignments were? What do you think? Do you understand what I'm saying? No, I hear it. Yeah. You know, like the it's like choosing defy danger. Right. So if you go, if you have a character who is, well, you know, good minded and wants to, you could offer a negotiate option. Right. Or you, if you have a character who is more lawfully minded, you could offer a different option based on that. I'm not exactly sure what that would be, but is there a way to make alignment work in the way that you are describing (laughs) the way we wish it would work? Um, not without taking away player agency, I think, unfortunately. But how much player agency do we truly need in this situation? <laughs> well, considering how many times I've talked about it on every episode we've recorded so far, I feel like a lot. I feel like, I mean, you need to have player agency up until the point that that agency ruins the fun for another player, mm-hmm. at which point that's that's where the line is for too much. I think it's interesting because if we look at it from like a historical perspective, like where alignment within Dungeons and Dragons comes from um, is I think it's very much from like the Elric novels and stuff. And this whole concept of like, originally it was just like, there is law, which is basically like order and stability. And there is chaos, which is change and entropy, not necessarily evil, but oftentimes leaning into like otherworldly eldritch horrors, tentacles, mutation, that sort of, thing just like raw uncontrolled change um and that was the cosmic struggle at the heart of old school D. and then there was also neutral was like a uh, balance i mean you're both crazy like mm-hmm. neutral is the balance keeper mm-hmm. um and then they started adding the good and evil and eventually that became more about just about you know following the rules versus not following the rules um you know, and I mean, like conceptions of change, like chaotic neutral second edition was like, you're just crazy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, you're the wild card. That's the alignment that, uh, Everybody I shout chose. out to another podcast. I've been listening to the, uh, glitter boys spelled B O I S, which is a palladium fan, uh, RPG. I heard them say on an episode I was listening to chaotic neutral is the alignment you pick when your GM says no evil alignments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was very much the case. And now it's more like chaotic neutral is just like 
uh, I'm interested in pursuing my own goals, regardless of, you know, this struggle between good and evil. And uh, I'm not going to let anyone tell me what to do or follow these rules because they're stupid. It's, you know, selfish rather than crazy. Yeah, I I had I played in a group, my original group, where the alignment system was mandatory and you had to play within your alignment. And I you started I, with second edition, right? Yes. Yeah, there were legit penalties for going off your alignment yes. like in second edition. Yes. And I think the original reason, I could be wrong about this, but I haven't talked to those people in like 20 years or so. But like I think the original reason for this is this is coming out of the like satanic panic era where Dungeons and Dragons was you know, a signaling device to, to people who didn't know anything about it, that your kids were committing evil and doing something terrible. Right. And I think what the magic behind this group was they figured out a way to convince parents that this was totally fine activity. And I think the emphasis on the alignment system had a lot to do with that. So for instance, if you played a cleric in this game, your God was Jesus Christ. <laughs> your God was God and Jesus Christ. You were a cleric of the cl- Christian you know, religion. And I think that that was a, none of them were like Bible thumpers. I think that was a safeguard they put into the system so that they could show that this was not a satanic evil game being played by miscreant teenagers. You know what I mean? And so I think the alignment system is a, is, is, was was a default you know safeguard in, in the same way and there was very strict rules about how you couldn't play evil characters you had to necessarily play good and uh or you could play chaotic neutral but guess what almost everybody played chaotic neutral why because then they didn't have to play good and they could kill people in their sleep and do stuff like that you know what i mean yeah and i i, I mean if i had to rewrite the rules of alignment right now I would say chaotic neutral exists. And if your character is chaotic neutral, it's no longer your character. This is now a GM character. Like chaotic neutral is the realm of insanity, right? And so if you think that your character is chaotic neutral, then give me your character and start and create a new one. I think Berdeen's chaotic neutral. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I think that's why I said every time I look at him, like I'm doing this wrong. Cause like, Mm. I think when I made him, my motivation was just like, all he wants is to be known as the fastest blade. Like he's just pure himbo ego. He wants everyone to recognize him as being the fastest blade. And he's just going to pursue that goal. Okay. Um, And I think I've started leaning towards him being a little bit more interested in like the well-being of other people, maybe. Um, I mean, there's been moments where you've played him where he along, he's been like the voice of reason in some circumstances uh i don't want to go too too deep in the weeds here in our game but um i think there's some good in him so chaotic neutral doesn't exactly fit how i view that character yeah i think i'm bad at playing my alignment (laughs) so i would have thought you were i thought i would have thought berdine was neutral good and maybe i don't understand neutral good correctly but i was trying to describe D alignments and how they work uh you know a couple of days ago to somebody who doesn't play dungeons and dragons or any role-playing game for that matter and i was saying look neutral good is like believing that like we all fundamentally understand what good is and law and chaos are irrelevant it's like just be a good person and do the right thing you know like and and that was a very difficult concept for the person I was describing this to to kind of wrap their head around because I had also prefaced what lawful good and chaotic good was. So I always looked at Berdeen as being neutral good, where it's like he's doing good for the sake of doing good. Like he knows what good is. And when it comes up, he makes the good, he makes the good and right decision. He's doing good because it's important to him. Right. Yeah. I think that's how I've been playing. Yeah. Right there. (laughs) Chaotic neutral. I had to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think I'm having a really hard time being that selfish. Like, mm-hmm. 
I think this opens up a larger argument about alignment as well as in, do we even understand like, um, when people, the way people play, okay, let me ask you this. How would you describe the quintessential lawful good character? A lawful good character, um, is very concerned uh, with the orderly functioning of society for the benefit of people. Okay. Like there's a code of honor. There's a system of laws. We follow them. If the law is unjust, we work to change it, but we don't just ignore it mm -hmm. because it, we have a society. Um, that's gotcha. how I sort of see lawful good. I um, also you could play it more personally. Like I have this code um, of ethics, this code of morals and tenets I follow. And even if it's convenient or even if it costs me my life, I will always follow it. And that code is dedicated to the betterment of people. And, you know. Gotcha. I would tend to agree with you in, in the, in the modern sense, but when somebody if somebody were to ask me what the quintessential lawful good character is, it would be the self-righteous paladin who's really, whose message to the world is might make right because society. Yeah, no, I think, well, I think that's the flexibility of to play it. I mean, there's, uh, I don't know if the controversy about like, I think it was Gary Gygax, like, uh, writing in a web forum in the 90s about alignment and lawful good like referenced the guy responsible for the wounded knee massacre oh, wow. um as being lawful good in his own in that guy's own head okay explain i i don't i <laughs> like <laughs> he said this guy thought of himself as lawful good because he was doing the the good according to the laws of his society right um and he didn't say this guy thought that he referenced like it's like this guy would have said and it, that was the guy i think responsible for the massacre gotcha i'm i'm not sure if it was it is basically one of the many horrific acts of genocide committed against the indigenous people of right. what is now the united states right um yeah right and then i would i you know i would say isn't that more lawful neutral then and not lawful good well, it depends on who he's doing it for. Well, I'm talking about that quintessential lawful good character, the self-righteous paladin. You're an orc. I kill you because orcs are bad. Um, Like uh, stealing is bad. So I get to kill you now. Like that's how that's how people that I used to play with uh, when they played paladins. It was like, don't let me catch you breaking the law or doing something bad because then I get to then I get to kill you. I get to attack you. Right wasn't really about defending the innocent. It was about having a get out of jail free card to be a psychopath. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, that's what that's what I want alignment to be. A get out of jail free card for being a psychopath. Or we can just get rid of it entirely. And I can just be a psychopath. But it's actually, I think that, oh my God, I just realized that that's a crutch. Mm -hmm. It is way scarier for someone to be a psychopath in an alignmentless system than it is for this one where they have some sort of code they're trying to justify it with. Mm -hmm. If you're just in some open story game, it's like, no, nah, I'm just a brutal psychopath, man. Mm -hmm. I don't even care. I just want to see the bodies hit the ground. That's right. Blood, drip, drip, drip. Now, like, explain to me what a lawful good Jedi would look like. He'd follow the Jedi. Qui-Gon Jinn is a lawful good Jedi. How so? He's following the Jedi code, and which is the what dictates of the living force, which is uh, what there is no emotion. There is only peace. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, it's that old time Jedi religion is what he is. I don't know. Well, and a big part of the Jedi religion is that violence is supposed to be a last resort. Yeah. Yeah. Like the iconic image of the lightsaber igniting is supposed to deter violence instead of accelerating it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want to I, use that to negotiate aggressively or other. <laughs> I look at that. I look at violence and maybe this is my own personal views, my own personal view, but I look at violence as being inherently evil. Oh, see, I don't. Okay. 
in the context of a fantasy game set in a pseudo medieval society mm-hmm. in the real world. I very much see violence as right. being like, right. And this is kind of my, like point, evil. Though. Sometimes it's an excusable evil, but it's still an evil. Like in, I think violence can be applied in a positive or good way, like in the defense of others. Right. Um, or only as a last resort, but you and I, I think both said in this, in this episode that alignment, we were making comments about alignment, reflecting how people really are or how things are in real life. And then I would make the argument that the alignments we're presented with are not accurately showcasing what actually is lawful good you know, or chaotic good or any of these other hallmarks of D and D fantasy. Well, I feel like it's really, especially hard for you and I and gamers of our generation, because we've come through so many changes and Mm -hmm. as those changes to what the alignments mean and how they're used in the game happen, we're, we've also matured as human beings. So, Mm -hmm. but we still, we still have those, you know, like wired into the deep structure of our adolescent brains that like, you know, like it's my get out of jail free card for killing the sheriff because he insulted me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's very hard, I think, for us to have an accurate view um, as a guide. I think if I what I want from it as a player is it's a, a fast. Yes or no decision tree, I think, would be what I want from a player. Um, it's a, a guide. It's a thing I decide when I start playing to sort of guide the moral bent uh, of how I'm going to play the character. Should we talk about how other systems handle things similar to alignment? Yeah. Um, one of the things too, and I mentioned earlier as yeah, I, I, you, I think you know this, I have been, I don't know why, because I know everything that's wrong with it. I have been on a huge palladium books and riffs kick uh of late and the riffs alignment system uh ev- because mm-hmm. it's copied it. and pasted like kevin simbita has a rant in every core book about why neutral alignments do not exist mm-hmm. no one is a bystander so they have like the sort of good alignments and it's like a list of 13 or 14 things you would do this you would never do this Mm-hmm. Uh, you would never betray a friend. You would easily betray a friend. But there's like the good alignments, the selfish alignments, and then the evil alignments. And I find those are actually way more instructive. Uh, okay. To play Why is that? Character. Uh, because it's it's just a you would never do this. You would do this. All right. So give us an example of some things that would ask you if you would do or would not do. Uh, betray a friend. Uh, torture. Uh, kill for pleasure, um, break your word, uh, steal, accept dirty money. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not the same universally across the board because it is very much copy and pasted from RPGs that I think were first written in like 81. (laughs) Uh, Right. But I mean, what if I would betray a friend to save his life? I think that actually fits in like one of the, like, I don't know, miscreant um or one of the selfish alignments or unscrupulous um um would you torture a person to avoid nuclear holocaust like me in real life no 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 as your character would would somebody's character do that like let's say it's a more modern setting game and normally you would your character would never torture anyone right and then the scenario that's put in front of you, I don't know what kind of fucking game this is because I've never been presented with this scenario. <laughs> but let's say that's what well, I think you just is. hit on what we want, what we should want as DMs from alignment. Go for it. What is, what is that? Is the moral challenge right there. Yeah. You know, like uh, you, let's say you're playing a paladin in service of a bishop of the church and his word is, you know, law. And that example you had of like the, you know, orcs are attacking the village and the bishop tells you under no circumstances disrupt the orcs. Mm-hmm. Just let them work. Yeah. Just let them work. 
And what is the bishop's motivation when my paladin is like, but why? We need to protect the innocent people. It is not yours to ask why, my son. It is only yours to do the will of our God. And our God works in mysterious ways. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Yeah. So then I my I have a moral quandary. And then let's say, let's follow this through with it as a thought experiment. My paladin decides to intervene anyway. Yeah. But let's say my paladin decides to intervene in a way that's like he goes to talk to the orcs and try to talk them out of it first. Yeah. Let's let's play out the scenario that these are not stereotypical Tolkien orcs. They are people of their own mind, with their own motivations, under their own circumstances, whatever those may be. And my paladin... The different sort of cultural carrots and sticks, if you will. Again. (laughs) Again. 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 So then I go to intervene and it doesn't work. Yeah. And then I decide to violently stop them. Yeah. Or to violently defend yourself, which is still violating that. Okay. So then what do you do as a GM then in that circumstance? What's the most interesting thing for the story that you think the player is going to have the most fun with that's also engaging to you? Well, that's what I want to know. I mean, it depends on the player. Okay. Walk us through that. How do we, how do we figure that out? Uh, Like, I think he has a vision uh, of like an, you know, like a planetar or something of his deity being like, Hey, good job, man. Like even if it's it's like the D and D high heavens angelic version of like Grizzly Adams doing the nod, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, gotcha. and you know he finds out his church is corrupt and that corruption like he has to I don't know it's an interesting character moment. So typically in the past, especially in this original group that I mentioned earlier, if you were a paladin and you committed one evil act, you lost your powers. And that was a frustrating experience for me because what was considered an evil act was entirely up to whoever was DMing. Yeah. Whether or not I agreed with them on that being an evil act or not. Well, paladin hood's not tied to alignment anymore. It's now tied to an oath. Correct. Correct. So what if that went the other way then? The player character paladin doesn't step in, doesn't do anything. Yep hundreds of people die yeah you show them the consequences of that Mm -hmm. in In exquisite detail (laughs) in any of these scenarios weeping mothers smoking huts (laughs) does the paladin lose their powers in either one of these scenarios i don't think having losing the thing that you picked the cool things you picked you want to do um then what's the point what's the point of alignment then well, I mean, that's that's what you picked as the moral consequence you want to face. <laughs> like, okay, so it's in service to the story. So what we're saying is alignment is a signal to the GM of the kind of moral quandaries you want to have as a player character. Yeah, it's like it's. I forget where I read this or heard it, but someone was saying like the skill list is like as a dm like look at your character's skill list because that's the shit they want to do in the game right right you know like since it's open burdine wants to perform like Mm -hmm. uh, he wants to play his viol he's quite Mm -hmm. quite fast hands you know um yeah he wants to do acrobatics and flips and climb stuff i don't know uh an alignment why not perceive it the same way okay so how how would we do that for our current game that we're in right now? Like, how would you, how would we implement that tomorrow? Like, do we have a, a sheet of things you can choose? Like, congratulations, you've chosen neutral good. Please select from the following items below on what kind of moral quandaries you would like your character to have. Well, I mean, just, I mean, to me, it's just, you ask yourself the question when you're planning your session, like, look, do a quick look at my character's alignments. Oh, this guy's neutral. Good. What's something that would be tough for him to deal with that I find interesting. Okay. And then I'd pick. Okay. So should the GM then 
apply those things if the player can't come up with them? Yeah. Present them. Give them a choice. Okay. So what kind of moral quandaries would we, let's go through the alignments, not all of them, but just some of them. Lawful good. What kind of moral quandaries should we present to a player? The law is cruel and petty. Okay. Or you're ordered to do something that you know is wrong. Something that's clearly wrong. Okay. So we're hitting the law element by you are ordered or bound to do something that you know is wrong. Yeah. And it's probably like the example earlier. It's probably you're ordered to abstain from doing something you know is right rather than you're ordered to do something you know is straight evil because that's, okay. that's a, you'd say no. Mm-hmm. All right. And then under the basis that chaotic good is, is it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. What kind of moral quandaries are we providing to a player around chaotic good? Um, they violate a law that they think is for wrong and then find out it's actually like got a very strict purpose. Oh, okay. Like everybody has this taboo in the village they follow and you think it's petty and cruel. So you like demand everyone, you get everyone to stop following the taboo, but it's the taboo is actually part of a magic spell that's sealing a demon beneath the town. And I got it. So it's kind of like, all right. Well, okay. I think I understand it. There's, I don't know if you've, if you watch the Witcher, but they're currently the first half of season three is out right now. And there's moments where there's a character that wants to do something that on the surface is correct and right. And then another character is saying to that character, like you, you don't know what your consequences will wrought. Like you have to think this through, like the world is this dynamic moving ugly puzzle of problems and just because you decide to step in and try to make one part of it correct could mean that you end up hurting others uh, tenfold or whatever the case may be yeah would that fall into that same chaotic good or would yeah, that fall I into like so. a neutral good kind of scenario yeah you'd give them something where they have to give up their personal freedom for good okay do we have an example of that like giving up your personal freedom for good? I mean, you might put them in a situation where they can choose to take the fall for uh, someone who's going to be, you know, a- arrested for a crime um, that was done for the best of purposes. And the only way to save this person from the shop. I mean, like, I don't know that every character would jump on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think neutral good, any of the neutrals, you make them pick a side. But that goes against what their alignment is. <laughs> well, yeah, but if they're if they're interested in good, you have two good factions. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, like one of them is the good faction of like the the city folk with this series of you know with their law and order and their uh you know their codified laws, and then the other one is just like I don't know, like a a forest tribe. But they're both good people, and they mm-hmm. have this conflict that can't be resolved. And right you've got to decide yeah like it's the typical water scenario right like in a sci-fi game like both of these civilizations on this desert planet need that water and there isn't enough for both of them and And neither one of them is terrible people right and And you have the power to do something about it right exactly okay okay all right what about does that apply then to like i said also you said all the neutrals is there one that applies to chaotic neutral then or are we just chucking that one? Um, I think chaotic neutral is in the easiest way to get what they want is to follow the rules in this situation. Interesting. Is to give up a little bit of that freedom and be like, you know, I got to play the game. This makes me want to put alignment into a game. I know, right? (laughs) We had a creative answer. (laughs) Yeah. Like that curious question. This is, I I really like this because I think there's a lot of, you know, not, not everybody is going to come to the table with a fully fleshed out character who needs to be challenged. Right. And you could give them a document or a little book to write in or say, Hey, um, write some interesting things about yourself or that you want to encounter 
or some troubles or you're part of a backstory. But I mean, let's be honest, not everybody will do that. Right. So we're kind of just using alignment as like a playbook for creating events in the course of our, our of our campaign sessions. Right. So it, it's like we're just slightly shifting what alignment actually is into into it being useful <laughs> the way that we're, we're useful for a DM because yeah. I mean like I really I just I think that's some great advice. What a player writes on their character sheet is basically a roadmap to what that person wants to do in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what why not? Why not? Right. Okay, so what kind of moral quandaries can we put to evil characters or should we still I guess we should say like what is our view on playing evil characters? Have we talked about this before? So, I mean, we I talked think, about it on the mics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. I I think we have mentioned it. Um I think to me that is a session 0 issue. Be like, mm. "Hey guys, I want to do an evil campaign. Do you all think it would be fun to do?" an evil campaign okay so we all want to do an evil campaign so here's the deal what is our goal Mm -hmm. that it is necessary for us to work together and support each other in order to achieve it Mm -hmm. like what is the shared goal because we're not doing this without one we're not doing just like you're all evil and we start in a tavern because i know where that goes yeah I think most people are playing a version of evil generically when they play role-playing games as soon as they start slipping into the murder hobo mode, you know? So I think everybody is already kind of playing that character. Does that make any sense? I don't agree. Okay. Why not? I think murder, I mean, murder hobo is an easy, you know, catch all, but I don't think, um, I mean, it's a scale, you know, okay. On the scale, like our current adventuring party, like, are they nice people? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, are they up for rampant slaughter of innocent townsfolk, you know, for a few coin, if they had the chance? No. So we're just kind of in that gray area then. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think most player characters are in that gray area? I think a lot of player characters are more comfortable in that gray area. I think some of it may be that's the story they want to tell. And some of it, it's just easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've all had a hard week at work. Life is stressful. Sometimes you just want to relax, blow off some steam and, Kill some bad guys. Yeah. Roll some dice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe we don't want to be plagued down by the moral compunctions of what our personal code is. I'm, I mean, I made uh, I made a fighter. I, I want to fight things. Mm-hmm. It's literally in the name of my character class. But, I mean, conversely, there is the Soulbound game that does not have an alignment system. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, does it really need one? No. Why not? Because your culture is so communicated through your, through your archetype. Mm-hmm. Like you just read that description and you get sort of what you would do and you get the stakes of the world and it's very high fantasy, high power. And also, you know, like I've got doom as a DM, you know? Mm-hmm. If you let shit slide, I just tick the doom up and then describe things as being grim or more grim you know right we haven't seen that happen in the campaign yet but right it very much could uh it's one of the things about soul fire like everyone has to agree that it's okay to use the party's shared soul fire resource you can use it without but then the doom goes up so that communicates like you know being a totally selfish not cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gotcha yeah what if we replaced alignment with any one of those online personality tests? <laughs> like the what's your alignment personality test? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, no. Like what house do you belong? Like the to one, how you seal a bread bag? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what, what way does the toilet paper face? You know, no, I'm look, I, I work a corporate job. And when I was doing onboarding for this job, it was very important to them that I take a personality test. Oh, which and, one did you do? Um, Enneagrams? No. Disc? Which one What's is your disc? bird type? I'm a peacock. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Love um, languages? No, I know what I already know what my love language is. Uh Myers Briggs. No, I I can't stand Myers Briggs. Uh what is I can't I don't I don't remember what it was called. It's a color based system. What clueless character are you? Take this BuzzFeed. <laughs> it's a color based system. So like there's um there's green, yellow, red, and blue. Okay. Uh greens are people who want to make sure everybody is good and share equity and share ideas. Um, They try to repair relationships. They're all about cohesion and making sure people work well together. Um, Blues are very um, data oriented. Um, It's got, they have to have the proof in front of them before they can proceed. Um, They have everything ready to go. Uh, before they make their argument yellows are socialites they can talk endlessly about their day they make you feel very comfortable they have an energy or vibe that you just want to have or buy into and then reds are like no nonsense get it done kind of people like uh, and then each one of these is a kind of opposed to each other like reds and greens uh, view each other in different ways like um they tend not to get along very well. Like you like red see greens as being all over the place and green see reds as being too aggressive or too dynamic and not allowing, you know, what needs to happen to happen and blues and yellows don't necessarily get along. They, they rub each other the wrong way. And then depending on how deep you go in this test, there's like fractions. Cause of course there is of different, you know, different types. And then there's different circumstances in which you can pull the lever for the color you need. So for instance, I'm like super green. Like it's very important to me that we understand each other, that you feel like you had uh, your say in a conversation or in a team meeting. Um, I want everyone to be on the same page. I try to repair relationships. I want cohesion and community. Um, but then I also have a yellow portion and a blue portion. So if something's really important at work, I will do the necessary work needed to make sure that it's as airtight as possible. And then for yellow, it's like when I see an opportunity to be social, I grab it eagerly, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I've been using this at work. Like for my team members who are red, I get right to the point. Like I have everybody in my phone who I work with color coded according to what I saw they came up with in the personality test, right? So if I'm talking to a team member who's a red on the phone, I get straight to the point. If I start meandering, I go, you don't need to know that. Let's talk about what we need to do to get this done so we can get on with our day. And they appreciate that, right? So I adjust accordingly based on who I'm talking to. And I'm wondering if we could have a role-playing game, use that personality <laughs> test for your character instead of alignment. What do you think? I think it might, I don't know if I'd want to have it be mechanically as a rule, but I sort of want to make everybody in a campaign take the love languages quiz, but as their character. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What are the love languages? There's gifts, um, uh, words of affirmation, touching, world of affirm, world of affirmation, words of affirmation. Which one is yours? Uh, words of affirmation, actually. So is mine. That's, that's why I remembered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. It's, I know this is a crazy. I like people to tell me I'm a good boy and I've done a good thing. <laughs> I know My it's word- weird, unconventional. Like, I desperately seek praise. 
my words of affirmation are different. It's in communication. I need to know that you understand what we're talking about. I, I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need that. that that's reassurance. just like your type. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, your your green. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, none of those things are just like preferences for communication and work style. They're not like moral codes. Mm-hmm. But which, do we need moral codes? I mean, that's what I always sort of think of alignment. I mean, other systems, right? So we talked about riffs. Uh, the White Wolf games have humanity. Okay, what's that? How's that work? Uh, it's basically like a list of sins that you know, and it's it's scaled. So, like, as your humanity score drops, the shit that you think is wrong changes. And I sort of like that. Um, it's it's one of, I think, in most of the experiences I've had playing Vampire, the least explored option of what the mechanics tell you to do. Because what those mechanics tell you to do in a vampire game is, like, you're damned. Over a long enough time, you're going to slip. Mm. And you're eventually going to get to the point where you have no humanity left and you are just a mindless killing machine that will... Uh, probably be put down by your fellows um, because you're a risk to their hidden existence. Uh, Mm. And that's, and it's terrifying, but it's also sort of inevitable. Um, And that's the thing I think gets missed. One of the things I think is brilliant about vampires playing that struggle that gets missed when people play it as superheroes with fangs. Mm -hmm. Same. Like there's a humanity level 10 and it's like most human beings do not have this level of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. So that's, that's a sliding scale. Um, Exalted had like limit break. Okay. What was that like? Uh, that was like whenever you had like your defining, depending on the edition, you had like your defining virtues of like courage or whatever. And whenever something compelled you to act against this virtue, you would tick your limit. And when your limit reached a certain point, you would act out in a way that was the result of a curse of basically titanic beings of cosmic power who your ancestors imprisoned and or slew. Um, but that caused you to act like it's very much designed to be like uh, a Greek hero, you mm-hmm. know, with a tragic flaw. Um, right. Gotcha. Any other systems you can think of? Uh, one's paranoia. I feel fairly certain it's been a long time, but I feel like that does not have an alignment system. <laughs> <laughs> um, am I misremembering? Are there alignment moves in Dungeon World? And I'm just drawing a blank on them. I don't think that there are but I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah. It's been, it's been a minute (laughs) because if there are, I feel like maybe that's something somebody else came up with. I don't remember. I think I read it on a blog or something. Maybe. Yeah. If we're wrong, dear listeners, we're just wrong. It's okay. People don't have to be right all the time. Yeah, We're just doing this for fun guys. Yeah. I mean, your expectations, seriously, you're going to be much happier. You can control how your opinions, your opinions are your problem. All right. Yeah. And if there is anybody listening to this, I don't know why there would be. But well, because is. we're very charming people with beautiful man voices. That's correct. Sometimes we say funny, insightful shit in between 20 minutes <laughs> of meandering bullshit. Meandering bullshit. <laughs> well, you know, if you are listening to this and you like the John Demantis, why don't you send us your opinions on alignment? And maybe you've seen something in another book, or maybe you have a critical piece of information that we missed or an opinion uh, that we'd love to hear. Jesse, how can our listeners get in touch with us? We're on threads now. Whoa, what's that? It's this new thing that looks sort of just like Facebook, except it really thinks that our podcast should follow uh demi lovato um who i only barely know who that is (laughs) Um, wow 
And I don't think we're going to follow. It's a podcast. I don't. Wait, is Threads the thing where they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, you can't delete this without also deleting your Instagram account? Yeah, that's why it's brilliant for me, because I don't give a shit if I delete my Instagram account. <laughs> Do you? Can I ask you an unrelated question? This probably yeah. should have been our banter topic, but think these super rich pieces of shit are in a contest with each other to see who can be more of a piece of shit but in funnier and funnier ways because it's like you know old school pieces of shit was like genocide and torture and arson and well some of the things we even talked about during this episode but like the old school way was to just be this horrible warlord who like wiped out your enemies and their children and salted the earth and the modern day version of this He's like, do you think these people just like, like, uh, do you think like they, they get together in some secret cabal and Elon Musk is like, oh yeah, Jeff Bezos, you built an obscenely large boat that can't leave the port without the city taking the bridge apart and inconveniencing everyone. I got an idea. I'm going to buy Twitter and I'm going to make it even worse than it is. I think Elon Musk is playing that game against the world. That's what, that's what I want to know. Yeah. I don't think the rest of them are willing participants, maybe. So they're in that case, they're just like everybody else in capitalism. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they're sure. all playing against Elon Musk and they don't want to. They just have a way better starting hand. Okay. All right. Well, then we're on this thing called threads. Uh, At John T. Mantis spelled correctly. So friend yeah, of the show, about- Rich Ranallo, in our last recording, pointed out to me after the episode that when I created the John T. Mantis Twitter mm. account mm. at John T. Mantis, I misspelled it. So it's at Juan T. Mantis. Juan T. Mantis. Yes. Juan. Juan T. Mantis. Juan T. Mantis. Yes. All right. And where can people find more information about you on the internet, Jesse? Uh, I am, I don't know why, on Twitter, at JingoSFet, and also on Threads now. Oh, wow. Uh, Are you also Jingoist on Goose Guy? Uh, I should explain, too, um, being a Jingoist is like the farthest thing from who I am, so I have a delightful irony of referring to myself. It made a lot, it was a lot funnier, more clever in the early aughts than it is probably in 2023, but I've been using it for so long, you know. Okay. Everything's a question. Nothing is black and white. Everything is gray. Do you have a Mastodon instance? Like the band? No. The, Unfortunately, the, the Aqua Teen no. Hunger Force movie song? Unfortunately, no. Are you on Blue Sky? No. Do you have a Hive account? I do not. Are you on MySpace? Probably I'm still on MySpace, but I don't think that's a great way to get in touch with me. Is your Google Plus account still active? How many people are in your circle? I don't think Google Plus exists anymore. Oh. Remember Friendster? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's let's I found there. my Friendster profile with my photo that I think was taken at the the Battle of the yes the battle of bull run battlefield and i just looked at it and looked at this child staring back at me and just felt so incredibly sad oh wow (laughs) so well that'll be the topic of our next banter how do you feel sad when you see your younger self Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. although you know like matt over here is like uh bilbo baggins oh why you haven't aged today that's not true i've aged several days anyway um all right well that's going to be this episode of the jaunty mantis man we oof, we really tested the limits of our listeners patience at various points it's gonna be fun to edit but that's okay because we're just doing this for fun so uh yeah and and while we're doing that on fun uh patreon if you mm-hmm. like the show uh and would like to support what we do uh please look us up on patreon and gain access to exciting banter topics. Yeah. I mean, we'll do that eventually. That hasn't oh, well, gone up yet. Okay. okay. But hopefully Don't by look the time for us this on airs, Patreon. Do not seek us. We just need to get some things out of the way first. Okay. Yeah. One step at a time here, bud. Okay. okay. All right. Well, you know, this has been the Jonathan Mantis. I'm Maddie. I'm Jesse. And to quote our famous sign-off, Get out there and 
play some fucking role-playing games. Yeah, go, go play some fucking games or shit. Yeah. All right.